There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Have you ever been in a conversation with friends, family, or acquaintances about religion? And someone comes up with the idea, aren't all these religions just different paths leading to the same destination? I'm sure the person asking that question is trying to be kind and tolerant toward all these different belief systems. But when you really scrutinize the doctrinal base of all the major religions of the world, you'll find out that their predictions concerning the future are quite different and incompatible. Religions from the Far East are usually cyclical. What does that mean? It means they predict cycles that are repeated over and over again endlessly into the infinite future. Religions that have been birthed in the Mideast are usually linear. What does that mean? It means they predict a series of progressive steps or stages that lead to an ultimate and permanent outcome. Both perspectives cannot be true. The cyclical view and the linear view are contradictory, so one or the other has to be correct. And not all linear views are correct, so we're going to do a lot of comparison here. Let's start with religions from the Far East. Buddhism would be a good beginning point. Buddhism is an offshoot of Hinduism, and so some of the terms that are used concerning cycles are similar to what you hear in Hinduism. One of the three major pillars of belief in Buddhism is something called anicca, which means impermanence. It's the idea that ultimately all things will dissolve into non-being, including the universe in which we live. However, after each dissolution of the universe, another cycle of manifestation takes place. And this is a condition that, as I said, persists for all eternity. And so a cyclical view of the future is promoted in Buddhism though the details that I'm about to share may not be accepted by all Buddhists. There's differences of opinion in different sects. The word kalpa is a word that is used in Hinduism and also in Buddhism, and it signifies an extremely lengthy period of time. A kalpa in Buddhism is divided into four parts, the arising of a universe, the continuation of the arisen universe, the demiss of that universe, and the continuation of chaos. And that cycle is repeated over and over. Now let's go to Hinduism, also a cyclical view of the future. And this will get a little complicated. I hope I don't bog you down 
with a lot of numbers and a lot of details, but I want you to see a real good overview of what most Hindus believe. In the philosophy and the cosmology that is based on the Vedas, the Vedas are sacred scripture to Hindus, it speaks of, again, the manifestation and the non-manifestation of the universe. In the former state, everything is seen in a tangible form, but in the latter state, it goes dormant like seed. And these two universal states are called the day of Brahma and the night of Brahma. Brahma is the creator god at the head of the Hindu pantheon. You have three primary gods. That's Brahma, the creator god, Vishnu, the preserver god, and Shiva, the destroyer god. And all of these spring out of that impersonal life force called Brahman, which is considered to be the oversoul in Hinduism. But the cycles that are forecast for the future are the day of Brahma, which is when the universe is manifested, and the night of Brahma, when the universe dissolves into nothingness. The period of manifestation is called a kalpa. One kalpa, are you ready for this? consists of 4,320,000,000 years. Two kalpas make a day and a night of Brahma, which is a total of 8,640,000,000 years. Now listen to this. 360 days and nights of Brahma make one year of Brahma. And 100 such years constitutes Brahma's lifetime of 311 trillion and 40 billion years. Then Brahma dies and another Brahma is reborn and the creation starts all over again. It's a process that is infinitely repeated again and again and again. And there's a lot more detail that I can bring out. But each kalpa is divided up into yugas. And I'm not going to go into the exact number of years, but you have the Krita yuga, which is the period of time, the golden age of perfection, when dharma, which is the moral order of the world, how we live and what we should believe, that's the dharma. The Krita yuga is when that reaches a place of perfection. It's 100% manifested. Then after that comes another age called the Trita Yuga, and then the Vipara Yuga, and then finally the Kali Yuga. And the Kali Yuga is the most horrible, terrible, degenerate condition that ever exists in the universe. It's the darkest of all ages when only 25% of dharma is even evidenced in the world. And again, that's the moral order, what we believe and how we live. Now, according to Hindu doctrine, we are presently in the Kali Yuga. And it began in the year 3102 BC and will continue until over 426,000 years from now. And then 
uh, on our way that direction, conditions will increasingly worsen until virtue and religion disappear, chaos reigns, and the final destruction of the world takes place. Then the cycle begins again. That's Hinduism. Let's go next to the New Age movement. Now, I was a part of the rise of the New Age movement in the latter 60s and the early 70s, and that was a time of increased interest in Far Eastern religious views. There were many gurus and swamis coming into the West and promoting different forms of yoga that were all focused on the goal of supposedly achieving God consciousness or some kind of spiritual awakening. And that phrase, the New Age movement, was used quite often to represent this amalgamation of all these different beliefs, different religious ideas that were all blended together as one, and they were all focused on the human race entering into a new era, a new age. And that's why it was called the New Age Movement, because that was a common belief among many of the new religious groups that were springing up everywhere. And the New Age Movement was predicting a shift in astrological ages. It's based on astrology, because according to the astrological view, we are presently in the Piscean Age which is an age of knowledge and reason, technological advance, but we are on the cusp of entering into the Aquarian age, according to that viewpoint, which is a time of great enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment on the planet, where all human beings will walk in God consciousness. And according to that astrological view, then Peace will reign in the earth, and human beings, because we realize that we are God, will live on a higher level of consciousness, and many of the problems of humanity will be solved. So back in the 70s, early 70s, there was a popular song that was sung in a Broadway play called Hair. And that song was the age of Aquarius. It was very, very popular. And that's where you get the term, the new age movement. But it's based on astrology. And very strangely, astrology predicts 12 stages or 12 houses that the sun passes through as it moves around the earth. Yes, you heard me right. Astrology is based on a Ptolemaic view of the solar system, a view that was promoted by Ptolemy, who was an astronomer and geographer who lived in the second century. And he taught that the earth was the center of the solar system and the sun revolved around the earth. And that was a common belief for a long period of time. About a thousand years later, Copernicus came along and others and Copernicus promoted the idea that, no, the sun is at the center of the solar system, and the earth and other planets revolve around the sun. So astrology is actually based on a completely wrong view of the makeup of the solar system. So why should anyone believe anything that is based on a cracked foundation like that? 
Now let's go to Islam. Islam, being a Mideastern religion, believes in a linear view of the future. This present age will continue until the final judgment takes place and all human beings stand before Allah. Then they will either be allowed entrance into paradise or condemned to hell. And these two locations, paradise for the righteous and hell for the wicked, are actual, permanent, and eternal places. Now, some Muslims who believe in the Imam Mahdi, which is a great Muslim leader yet to come, teach that this messianic figure will usher in a golden era of justice and goodness and true religion in the earth where Islam will take over the globe, but it will only last about seven to nine years before the end of the world and the final judgment. And also there is a belief that sometime in the future there will be the emerging of the Antichrist who will suffer destruction when Isa, which is the Arabic name for Jesus, returns just prior to the judgment. So Islam does believe that there will be a final conclusion and a final resolution of the human problem. But of course, the details and the beliefs are much different than what is found in the Bible. And that's what we're going to next, the Christian point of view. Now, in Christianity, there are different stages or different ages that are progressive, that are leading to an ultimate and final conclusion. It is a linear view of what awaits us in the future. Beginning all the way back at the start, in Genesis, with the creation of Adam and Eve, you have the age of innocence prior to the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And of course, after the temptation took place and Adam and Eve fell in transgression, then you enter into an era called the age of conscience, following the fall in which God dealt with men primarily by reason of this inner witness of what is morally right and morally wrong. Then when Noah arrived on the scene, you have the age of human government when God begins to give certain specific and detailed laws concerning how to live. Then you have the age of promise that began with Abraham, and it was primarily the promise of a coming Messiah that would bring blessing on the entire world. Then with Moses, you have the introduction of a new age, the age of the law. And for a long period of time, the law was the central focus of the Israelite people in order to walk with God, be right with God, and have a peaceful life. Then with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and truth were introduced in a phenomenal way. And the age of grace began, the outpouring of grace on the entire human race and those who heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were resurrected themselves into a new state spiritually where God came into their hearts. They were born again. What a wonderful age we're living in right now, the age of grace. But it's about to come to a close. 
We see the signs of the times everywhere. And we know, according to biblical prophecy, there will be a period of tribulation at the end of this age that will culminate in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That will happen on the last day of this age. Jesus said, all the Father gives me shall come to me, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 14, we read the forecast of the future in great detail. And let me just read it to you right now, or certain excerpts from that. Uh, John said, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That's coming soon. He cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's called the millennial reign. And the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And I want you to notice that the first resurrection contains those who are martyred during the terror reign of the Antichrist or the beast. So it cannot happen seven years prior. The resurrection of the dead and the, and the catching away of the living believers who are alive when Jesus comes again that happens on the last day of this age. And then we are ushered into the millennial era, a thousand years of heaven on earth. Whether or not that is to be interpreted literally as an exact number of years, or if it's a figurative number, meaning a lengthy period of time, is up to question. Because uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 9, that God is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him to a thousand generations. Well, according to biblical calculations, we're not going to see a thousand generations. A generation can be anywhere from 40 to 100 years. There are different interpretations of Scripture uh, in that particular area of doctrine, whether or not a generation lasts for 40 years or a hundred years. And God said he would keep covenant mercy to a thousand generations. Well, that's either 40,000 years or a hundred thousand years. It certainly hasn't been that long since the creation of Adam and Eve, and it's not going to be that long until the coming of the Lord. So that is a figurative number in Deuteronomy 7, 9. It means a very lengthy period of time. Well, could that be the case in Revelation 20? Possibly. We don't really know. But we do know at the end of the Messianic era that there will be a final dissolution of the universe and the birthing of a new creation. 
This is a final end result. This is a linear view. This is the conclusion and the resolution of the human problem once and for all. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 3, and I'll read that part to you. The scripture says, Know this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And then it goes on to say that the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. And he said, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day with the Lord. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, here's the key part. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And then it goes on to say that nevertheless, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And in that new creation, and God did say, behold, I make all things new. There will never be a retreat back into darkness or a fallen state again. It will be a permanent and final and conclusive end to this journey. Thank God for the biblical revelation that we're not going to go through cycle after cycle after cycle of degeneration and then the universe being destroyed over and over again. Thank God we're headed the direction of complete bliss and victory and ecstasy in the world to come. And I plan on being part of that, don't you? Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family. 